Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Strong side of the formation is the left. They go out of the pistol and it's a handoff to Donovan Edwards. He breaks through again. Two is right. He's going to go again. Two carries and two touchdowns for Donovan Edwards. Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. Shane Schillberg producing. We're live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline, we are joined by our good friend Damon Benning, old DB. What's going on, man? What's up, fellas? How you doing? Hey, DB. Good oh, morning, man. We're doing all right. Just sounds like somebody's trying to break into the, the back door of the bar here, so uh, we'll, try and f- we'll try and fight off any invaders while we're on we'll the phone change. with you. <laughs> like legitimately, or did they just maybe want a warm place to not get dumped on. No, I think it's the snowblower people, but they're like banging on the back door. I don't know what's happening. Um, we're probably fine. If the conversation, I, I, I forgot. I forgot how good that place was at getting like the snow removal. The like they're on it. Yeah, they're on top. They were here before six thirty. I came. I, I arrived at six thirty. They were already shoveling and, and snow snow blowing. Yeah, they don't mess around over there. So, DB, as you're watching that game last night, um, I know you were on Twitter a little bit talking about some of the reasons Michigan was having so much success running the ball early. What were you seeing that Washington was struggling with in Michigan's run game? Yeah, so Michigan, it's it's so good um, concept-wise where, you know, sometimes they pen – Sometimes they pull, sometimes they influence you, and so like defensively, you think, okay, we've got to, we have to get penetration. It's all about, it's all about gapping uh, Michigan out. But and that's part of it. But what it really is is it's is it's playing with good run leverage. Where if I'm supposed to use my right shoulder and keep that free, that that shoulder better be free. If I'm supposed to 
If I'm supposed to split it on the inside, I better be inside. If I'm a backside player, I better be backside because they're so sound um, in getting to where they need to be that you can't get impatient and try to play hero ball, right? Because it's such a slow bleed. You know, they run some do what do we call duo. They run a little inside zone, and it's like, God, this is getting annoying. I, we got to make a play, right? And so you try to do something that is not your your one of eleven, and their backs are so good and so patient at finding creases. They'll ultimately get you. And, and you know they break a lot of tackles. They you know they fall forward quite quite a bit. It's it, it it's it's a slow bleed. DB, how important is it to recognize that every second, half second, third of a second matters when? your Washington and Michael Penix in this game versus against Texas? Because against Texas, it seemed like, you know, even an extra half second, he was able to make the throw. But against Michigan, he, he was forcing things. He had to throw it short. He had to get rid of it early because they were just on top of him. Yeah, so I, a couple of things. Number one, I think Michigan did a little bit better job, um, like pre-snap, with what they were going to do with their coverage. I had to watch it a like real time go back and watch a little bit of what he was what I felt like he was saying pre snap. I'm like, God, are they rolling to man? Are they playing quarters? Is this zone match? Is this man match? It, it, like Michigan was they're really well coached. So I think the the biggest difference between last week and this week for Penix, yeah, it, it obviously duh, accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was razor sharp a week ago against Texas. Um, but I felt like it was more because he knew right where he wanted to go with the football. So even if he was under duress, because he doesn't have any problems hanging in there. I mean, he's a tough guy, and he took, he took some shots, and he'll, and he'll throw the ball in the face of pressure. I think he wasn't getting as clean a looks pre-snap to, go, to know where to go with the ball. And... You know, they made a lot of tougher catches a week ago mm-hmm. than I felt like they did last night. They, it wasn't a, what I felt like a great night for his wide receiving core either. We're talking with Damon Benning. DB, I, I want to settle this because you, you know, conveniently ignored some Twitter messages, <laughs> messages last night. Um, I thought, and I don't think this is why Michigan won the game, but I thought that <clears throat> the – way the game was being officiated in terms of what was being allowed to be holding favored Michigan. Is that a crazy take? Is it because I I like Kalen DeBoer and I want Washington to win? Or did you think Michigan got the better end of the holding calls last night? No, no, the the, the more you let those guys play, I think the more it benefits Michigan. I I don't think that's like – you don't even have to have a dog in the the fight, I think, for that to be the case. The more – uh, touchy feely, it got to be the more the because that I mean that's how that's more how Michigan plays, right? So you're you're playing to the Big Ten's strengths in that regard. With with regards to like you know what was called, what wasn't, I couldn't get. I'm I'm typically not gonna ever be that guy. Mm-hmm. Although there there are some missed calls and calls that are bigger than others. Sure, right? You, obviously the forty yarder that that Washington didn't get, and then you give up the ball. Sometimes that, that can act like a turnover, mm-hmm. right, with that penalty. Other times, you know, you start first and 20, 
um, and you get a first down, and so it's not as egregious. So I, I felt like the timeliness of when, you know, Washington either didn't get a call or got a call, you know, the the, the, the QB counter that Michigan ran where there's holding twice at the point of attack, right? And mm-hmm. it obviously helps in the run game. But I don't, oh, I don't go back and kind of think, well, fudge, if they called this a little different, the, the outcome would be different. I, I don't almost ever look at games like that, even though I think part of what you're saying has, a, has, has some truth to it. DB, recruiting rankings aren't everything, but Washington has shown over the last two years that you don't have to be top 30 in order to get into the big game. A kind of a two-part question here. Is is what we've seen over the last couple of seasons skewed because of the short tenure of DeBoer paired with the transferring of Michael Penix, or is what they're doing at Washington from a development standpoint real? And, and maybe add this too, how far off are some of the unusuals maybe – we'll throw the Huskers into this at being what the Huskies are now. Yeah. So I think uh, that's a good question. There's a lot in there. I think let's tackle two and one, the recruiting rankings and versus development. Obviously those two things have to go together, right? You need a certain amount, a certain percentage of the guys that you bring into the program to be multi-year starters, right? You have to get two and a half or greater years in terms of production on probably you know 40 55 percent of your recruiting class and you have to be able to do that over and over again for for major contributions the great equalizer though and you mentioned Penix is the transfer portal so the portal allows you to kind of supplement what you're already doing in terms of development in case you need to get over the hump in a little bit quicker fashion is what Washington doing sustainable? I mean, sure, as long as there's guys, um, you know, McMillans and Doonesays and, 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 and guys like that that are going to develop into high, high-level guys, you're going to give yourself a chance. But as we saw, a lot of times the, the, the difference last night, uh, one of the – and there's a couple differences, I think, was the depth of – of of Michigan uh, along the D line and how how good that secondary was. That secondary, Michigan doesn't doesn't get near enough credit for I think how good and how physical they are. So and make no mistake about it, teams that play for championships win on the perimeter. Whether it's making plays in the passing game, handling perimeter run blocking or tackling out of the secondary or the second level with, like, your adjusters or your outside linebackers. Those teams win. We fall in love with what happens in the trenches, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's the most important. But the sneaky little thing is teams that, that can play and raise trophies are really good on the perimeter. And you saw Michigan, I think DJ said something about this last night on Twitter, which I was kind of marveling at all game. Michigan's ability to tackle, rally, and get guys to the ground and not allow any running after the catch, a lot of that is what Washington's offense is predicated mm-hmm. on. Hey, my free guy on your free guy, and you know we're ultimately going to make a play. And, and Michigan just didn't allow that to happen. So I think you know as you're looking at blueprints to develop programs – 
Um, you obviously have to have depth up front. Right? You you want to – I mean, Mason Graham and those guys are coming back next year, and you know, Michigan was just rolling guys out, and I felt like they clearly were better than Washington's offensive line last night. And then you want to be um, able to, to go grab a couple of key pieces to get you over the hump, whether it be sometimes it's a, a, a quarterback. Um, sometimes – I mean, we'll see for Ohio State. I mean, is it gonna, like a guy like Judkins? Like, is it going to be a running back, a guy that adds some physicality or dimension to kind of get you over the hump if you have the other thing? So I think situationally the portal has been the good balance. But I don't think you cannot recruit at a top 25 level and routinely make runs at championships, although I think it's a much there's a, there's a much better case to be made for being able to get some key additions in the portal. DB, you mentioned winning on the perimeter versus winning in the trenches. It, it, to you, is that the difference between, like, in Iowa and a Michigan or a, you know, Wisconsin from a handful of years ago? 100%. It, it's, it, it's such a dynamic game, and, guy, and spay, playmakers get out in space. I think being able to handle those guys um, and, and neutralize the way that the game is going is is huge. And I tell guys, everybody wants to be, you know, offensive guys steal the show, right? Oh, I want to be a wide receiver. And it's like, you see it in seven on seven all the time. It's like, ah, oh, you need guys to cover these guys too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Michigan safeties were, were so good last night uh, and sound. I, I felt like it really was a stark contrast into what was happening with Washington, uh, vice versa, because all of Michigan's concepts force all 11 guys to be accountable. So even the if you're not handling guys up front like Washington's offensive line wasn't, what was their answer? They went to the screen game and, and, and kind of the quick game. Well, you have to be able to rally and make plays out there in space to not allow guys – to run after the catch and so I think that is a big difference when you talk about um like let's say in Iowa versus Michigan because Iowa schematically defensively is is unbelievable right I mean coach Parker and and that staff know exactly what they're doing they know exactly how to play but but sometimes it's just my guy is 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 better than your guy so I think the totality of the package in terms of being able to be dynamic outside the numbers is 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 a little bit underappreciated, especially defensively. It's easy to see wide outs and, mm. and get slots and running backs out in space, but you watch those defenders that can make plays along the hash and along the numbers at the second and third levels. It 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 changes the way you can play defensively. We're talking with Damon Benning, former Husker and voice of Nebraska football on the Husker Radio Network. Uh, DB. How do you weigh in your mind, if you do at all, the sort of baggage that's carried along with Michigan this season versus what you saw on the field, right? Because we saw a, a pretty dominating performance for the game last night. Obviously, we saw them go 15-0, and but there's this cloud hanging over the entire season from all the different issues that they had. How, how do you process those two things in your head? Well, it's tough, right? I mean, it obviously matters, otherwise... They wouldn't have gone to such great. <laughs> they would have been doing it right <laughs> to 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 do it. So I, I don't want to I don't want to be dismissive of that. But I can't help 
I can't help but think like, okay, if Michigan's running pull or you know power or they're pulling, and and how are we going to play a down block? And ooh, they threw, you know, Dunze the ball, and he's got to catch it, or it got out to Will Nixon, and he's got to. So I can't. I don't ever discount that when I'm watching actual competition. Okay, are my guys making plays? So that's usually number one for me when I look at evaluating watching a game. It's not necessarily, oh, man, if they're in a three-by-one and they motion, does Michigan know that this is what they like to do, right? But I know that that's a real thing. So I I guess the long-winded answer is, does it bug me? Yeah, because I think it's it's hard enough to compete um, without those kinds of um, going to those lengths for competitive advantages, but I do think ultimately you still have to line up and play it too, and that's all. That's just kind of my personality, right? I think mm-hmm. at the end of at the end of the day, you still got to see me, and I still have to see you. So um, that's usually what I land on. But I don't, for one minute, think that. Um, you know, Michigan is going to embrace and may have to embrace kind of being the villain for a while because I think a fair enough of of quality coaches were upset with kind of how this whole season and last season played out for for them to not be thought of very highly. But, I mean, Michigan's here to to stay for a while, I think, depending on what happens with McCarthy and and Harbaugh. um, Get Will Johnson and Graham and some of these guys back. They'll easily be... I mean, they could, they get, they get McCarthy back. I mean, you could be top five. Mm-hmm. Um, without him, you still have enough talent to to certainly be preseason top ten, and because I think they'll probably be six Big Ten teams, although three of them are new: Oregon, Washington, and and USC uh, will all be in the preseason top twenty-five. So it'll it, it it's going to be some some ball to be played. DB, you mentioned McCarthy, and he's somebody this season that I, that I, you know, halfway through, I'm like, man, like, you know, he looks pretty good. And before the season, I'm like, I think he's going to have a big year. But I, I think that kind of tailed off toward the back end. I don't think he played his best football. Um, how have you kind of evaluated his play this season from what he was last year to what he was this year? Well, he, he makes a lot of key plays. So, and I get it. He had a lull. He had a stretch last night where – I think he'd only made about two really good throws. Mm-hmm. But but when they needed drives to answer and kind of stem the momentum, he seemed to be okay. And and I and I like guys that um it doesn't always have to look a certain way for them to be productive. He's got all the he's got all the tools, right? He's he's grown into his bodies. He's gotten a lot bigger, a lot stronger. Um you know he's got really good arm talent. I think he has the mental makeup uh, for a guy that because he's he, he seems to be really confident mm-hmm. and and he doesn't always need to to be functioning at a super efficient level for him to feel like he has value right I think he just kind of does he just kind of does his business so I I mean I like the way that he plays and I and I think it's interesting because Juna I think it was you that asked the question this summer to one of the the Michigan writers, maybe it was a little longer ago, where you said, 
if Michigan makes the run that people think they can make, will the storyline be Corum or McCarthy? Mm-hmm. And I think the um, who, whomever we were talking to said it would be more about McCarthy. And I think, wow, while those running backs, well, in particular Corum, I mean, Edwards, we, we he decided <laughs> to show up last night. Wow. Um, I, I do think getting guys like Roman Wilson and Loveland and and the ability to play catch and kind of scramble. You see when he got the run game going last night from the quarterback run game with McCarthy. I, th- I think he ultimately was the difference because in games, even for as good as Michigan was up front and could run the ball and good defensively, he still had to have more than adequate quarterback play, especially when it was like versus like, and I think McCarthy held his own. All right, DB, we've got about four minutes left here. I wanted to give you an opportunity with the uh, election of of Frank Solich into the College Football Hall of Fame. I know he's an incredibly important figure in your life, obviously was your position coach when you were at Nebraska. I, I just wanted to give you a few minutes here to kind of talk about not just what it how much that Frank Solich deserves the honor that he's getting by going into the College Football Hall of Fame, but also kind of the impact he had on Nebraska football as a whole over his, what, close to 40 years of being affiliated with the program. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, and I, I know it always sounds like sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, I just talked to you. But, you know, yesterday uh, talking to him about, coincidentally, things that didn't have anything to do with the Hall of Fame, <laughs> um, you know, I came back and I said, hey, you know, congratulations again on the Hall of Fame. And I, and I said two things after that. And he didn't even acknowledge the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> he, 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 you know, he, he, he totally glossed over it, right? And, and, and I just feel like there's so many things that I admire about um, a guy like that. He's just really unassuming. Um, he's tough-minded. Uh, he kind of hangs in there. And a lot of kind of those attributes are things that I, I kind of gravitate towards, right? I was never, you know, the biggest, the fastest, or the best. But, I mean, he was one of those guys that always said, you know, just hang in there, right? You know, you make one day two, make two days three. Like, he would say these little things, and they were absolutely paramount in order to even function in such a competitive uh, room that we were in, right? Because if that's not how you felt, then you couldn't make it. And I, I remember he he said something to me. I was just getting ready to redshirt, and I'm you know weird. I'm pouting and kind of being a baby. And, <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he said, "I can't be your biggest fan, right? Like you 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 have to you have to require more of you than." Than, than I do. That, that's a start, right? Like, you know, basically, they weren't saying the term then, but he was like, hey, you know, get out of your feelings. And I heard, I, I saw a clip last night that A.J. Forbes said after the game versus Montana, or against South Dakota State, and he said, you know, what, what message would I give to the young guys? And he basically said the same thing. Like, you have to expect more out of you than, than anybody else does, and if you can do that, you'll be just, just fine. That's totally Coach Solich. Whether he was at Nebraska, he was he was at o- 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 Ohio, 
it doesn't really matter what he's doing. He has a standard that's his own where he comes across as unwavering. Like he, he's just relentless in in competing. He doesn't do it with words or he's not real demonstrative. He just keeps coming. And I think some people will call that perseverance. Some people, I mean, it has lots of... Um, Adjectives, if you want to get into the to the semantics world, but at the end of the day, I think it's his humility and his ability to stay the course that 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 separates him. Because I I try to tell people, and I believe this, being truly being great is just being good all the time. Hmm. Limit the high, limit the peaks and valleys. If you limit the peaks and valleys you give yourself a chance for consistency because those that you're competing with or against or in the job market or whatever, typically there's a little more EKG to them. And and those that can kind of flatline and just be consistent all the time usually achieve greatness because a lot of things that come with greatness have to do with longevity. And longevity comes with the ability to stay the course, and that's definitely Coach Solich. Mm. Damon Benning, former Husker, voice of the – Husker Radio Network. DB, we appreciate your time. As always, really good stuff there. Oh, man, anytime. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, All DB. Right. Take care, DB. You uh, got it. That is our good friend, DB. Coming. Great friend. Great friend. Because if you're good for a long time, you're great. Exactly. He's been good friend for a long time, so he's a great friend. <laughs> great point there. Uh, coming up next, we've got more of Herd at Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities.